Welcome back to Odecadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magram. You're most welcome. Matt as Gee. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as your tour guide through this land we call Vio Severia. If you look out your window, you'll see a link that takes you to our Discord page. While there, you'll be able to chat with us, other listeners, and share your favorite moments and spicy spoilers. To your right, you'll see our Patreon. That's where the bonus content comes in, so check it out. As you exit the podcast, don't forget to check out our gift shop where you can get stickers, buttons, shirts, and more. Now, as I wind up this portion of the tour, I just want to express how thrilled we are that you're coming along with us, and thank you for choosing 12-Sided Guys for all your D&D actual play content. If you enjoy this, please consider leaving a rating and review. Thanks, sugar. Anyway, if you ever toured around Disney's Haunted Mansion... Um, when are we going to see the basement? (laughs) (laughs) There's no basement at the Alamo. Anyway, if you ever toured around Disney's Haunted Mansion dressed kind of like Indiana Jones, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, Episode 9. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. It's so bad. I'm so glad that you knew what I was what I was putting down, Paul. Oh. There's no basement at the Alamo. No, Dottie, I'm in Texas right now. Listen, the stars <laughs> at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. Texas. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, welcome back to Chorus of the Forsaken as we enter episode nine. Last time we were together, oh gosh, lot lots of things happened. Uh, the underground ancient temple to a lost, dead, forgotten drow goddess that had been turned into this. Uh, sanctum of necromancy was explored. Some of the knickknacks and powders and um, reagents were were pilfered, um, and a lot of them were tossed into a chest in order to hopefully make up all of the money that's missing from the taxes. Uh, Magram ended up finding a note as well as a dagger uh, and a spell book, while uh, Ornan found two scrolls, one of Speak with the Dead and another one of Raise Undead. Guy broke up with his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Girlfriend is maybe a little strong. (laughs) If you hear it any other way, they're lying. He broke up with her. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because um, before that happened, as everyone was leaving the castle, you had convinced Tobias that maybe uh, the deed to the castle would be enough to uh, cover at least um, at least to show good faith in trying to cover all the taxes uh, for the Baron. Tobias let it slip that if he was unsuccessful, that his life may very well be forfeit. And as you were trying to leave, suddenly there was some pounding on the door and the People of town were angrily asking for Sir Roland to do something about the wizard who was in the eastern woods, who was controlling the Gricks, the squid snakes that were attacking people along the road. 
who was made up by Guy. Yes, who they did not realize that that is not actually what was happening. But thanks to some deception, um, you were able to convince the crowd that the necromancer that you killed, Cassandra the Unnatural, was actually the wizard from the woods to the east who had been controlling the Gricks. Uh, but they said, what about the wizard in the west? And uh, there were reports that uh, monsters had been attacking uh, a settlement out there, a small little hamlet called Knuckle Creek. We had a lot of laughs. Um, (laughs) And um, at that, Tobias pulled some people in to discuss what to do as our party left the scene. Uh, There was some conversation that happened. Magrum read a note that he pulled out of the coin purse of the necromancer, Cassandra, uh, talking about meeting up with someone who has more knowledge, someone initials MB in the town of Kladvina in the barony called Pythria Barony, out in the swamps to the east. Guy broke up with his girlfriend. <laughs> That's where we get that. And um, after the breakup... Again, <laughs> not really my girlfriend. <laughs> after that, um, uh, Keldon, the son of Nalira, uh, came down and informed Guy that he was here actually looking to try to uh, prove that his mother had killed his father. And um, Guy promised to help him break into a safe if if uh, Keldon would get him some thieves tools. We all met back together at the All The Way Inn as Gemma and Ornan had a heartfelt talk as Ornan explained that with all of the um, all the goings on here in town and all the extra heat from having the Inquisitors of Iona here in town, that Ornan was probably going to have to have to step away from his duties as the barkeep of the All The Way Inn for a while. They hugged and we stopped right there. We are going to start right back where we were at in the all the way in common room as Gemma goes back away from Ornan back into the kitchen. And what are you guys going to do? Hey, um, barkeep, I'm going to need a room. Oh, well, I'm sure we can get you accommodated. Let me let me go and see what we've got available. We've, we've got rooms, right? Oh, yeah, you got rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, we didn't talk about how it's, you know, how the innkeep is run, but. Yes, this podcast is going to become a medieval, a medieval tavern and inn simulator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Last session, I thought we were going to turn, you know, take over the keep and it was going to turn into a, like a barren sim- simulator. Oh like, Run the city. Uh, yeah, there are rooms, that's for sure. There's, 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 there's at least one spare room that's not being used currently. Um. As you guys are having that conversation, Calden comes. He can also always stay in my room if he has to. I mean, <laughs> um, as you guys are talking, though, um, you see out of the corner of your eye, Guy Calden comes walking in. He steps into the common room looking a little, I wouldn't say out of place, but looking a little bit nervous. And he catches your eye and he kind of nods a little bit and then heads over to an empty table. Uh, currently here in the common room, it is just the four of you, uh, Calden. And then also Ryla, the driver of the caravan. Gideon is nowhere to be seen currently. Uh, and that is what's going on. Um, before before Guy might walk over to talk to Calden, I'm going to lean over and whisper into Guy's ear and say, did you have a chance to, buy, to ask Calden about the spell book that he's carrying? A sp- are you a spell book? No one ever told me about a spell book. 
Oh yeah, a lot of the conversation happened when um, Guy was not there. So, <laughs> part of the recap. Uh, oh no, no. Uh, uh, in particular, when we were in the woods, I saw him kick that into his pack. Uh, I think he had been carrying it and was worried that it would fall out. I'm not sure if that came up. Do uh, Do you know if it was a spell book? I mean, it could have been. I don't know. Tasteful erotica. Uh, well, I suppose it could have been that. I wasn't sure what else somebody... Not so tasteful, Erotica? <laughs> it was probably both. It's not often that you find somebody that's cagey about having a book be seen by others. Right. I mean, that's honestly, that's why I wear mine on my belt. I mean, if, hide it in plain sight, right? You're Erotica? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't lie, there are some diagrams in here that are a bit... Whew, you know, hot. But <laughs> um, it's primarily not that. Um, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'll see if I can find anything out. But for now, I have some business to attend to. And I'll go over and uh, sit across from... Oh, I, I, I'll, before I sit across from Keldon, though, I'll say to um, Ornan, if Tobias comes in, I know he's been through a lot and he deserves a strong pour, but I... I worry about that man's liver. That's true. But I've got a barkeep a bar to run, so if he asks for something, I'll sure sell him at least one or two. All right. And if what he says is true, you know, he might not have long to le- left. He doesn't have to really worry about his liver. Oh, that's morbid. <laughs> All right, I'll go, <laughs> go talk to my ex's son. Uh, okay uh yeah you see uh you see calvin sitting over at a table by himself um he sees you wandering over and he kind of kind of leans forward uh waiting for you to sit down and uh when you do he just kind of puts a little uh like a a little uh, rolled up piece of cloth on the table and then slides it over to you calvin how are you doing I'm doing well. I um, I got what you asked for. Oh, yes. I will just go ahead and grab it and put it in my uh, pouch, belt pocket. I don't know. Something. I'll put it somewhere. <laughs> um, and I'll say, okay, well, um, just make sure that the, uh, just make sure that the door that I used to use is unlocked and I'll take care of the rest. Um, you can find me here tomorrow morning if everything went according to plan, I'll have what you need. Thank you. I I really appreciate this. I've traveled very far. This has been this has been a burden on my mind for a decade. And hopefully you'll be able to you'll be able to put my mind at ease. So I thank you. And he stands up and reaches out his hand to shake your hand. Um, I'll shake his hand, yeah. Very good. And then he steps away from the bar and says, on second thought, maybe I won't have a drink. And then he leaves the bar and is gone. You could try the Riverside Lodge. I think they need some business there. <laughs> uh, yeah, time to fill out that map. Um, okay. So then I will just, uh, I'll sit at the table for a little bit waiting for anybody to jump. Oh, actually, no, I'll turn around because Riley's right on the, other, the table behind me. And I'll just say, how you doing? 
<laughs> She's like grumpy. Oh, really? What's I have? I don't see Gideon. Did he already leave? No, he didn't leave. I, I've been running the numbers, and uh, I can't do what I want to do until I get back to Redlam. There's just not not the uh, infrastructure here that I need. There's not wagons for sale. There's not um, clientele that needs to travel so much. So I am forced to travel with him one more time. And he drags his feet. Mm. When were you planning to leave? Well, I mean, I don't know anymore. I was hoping to leave right away, but it seems that there's just not enough people wanting to head east currently. That, that, that makes sense. Um, that, you'd, that you'd want to venture out from Redlam on your own. There's really... There's nothing here. <sighs> well... Can I get you a drink? <sighs> yes, you can. AMF. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> oh, she wants an AMF. Oh, man. Does anybody want to hear my story about an AMF? <laughs> it might be too spicy. It might be too spicy for this podcast. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I remember you telling the story. I don't remember it though. I don't remember what the acronym no, stands for. It's were. all good. Yeah. Okay. Adios, Mofo. Okay. All right. I'll and so um uh Gee. So just so you know my plan. My plan mm-hmm. is to because I only need to 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 sleep for four hours, is to to go to bed before midnight. Sleep for the four hours and then infiltrate the manor in the in the small hours. Okay, very cool. So I'll go get her a drink and come back and just chat her up. Okay, very good. Um, why don't you just make like a persuasion check, not like your just to see kind of what, or or actually a charisma check if you want to, just kind of how charming are you? There should be a charm skill. Okay, all right, I'll do a charisma check because my persuasion check was awful. Here we go. Uh, that's a tw- dirty twenty. Okay. Um, you know, something I would say something about being not under Nalira's thumb. It got so weird with her right there for the last few days since the podcast started um, that um, you just felt off. And talking with Ryla, you feel you feel like you're able to to um, I'm not going to say let your guard down, but you feel like you're your old self again. Um, you're able to to talk and, and have that confidence that you just seem to kind of be lacking uh, lately. And um, you enjoy a, a nice conversation, a, a slightly flirtatious conversation, I would assume, uh, with Ryla. You know, I hear they have theater there in Redlam. When we're there, you should show me your favorite play. Just take me to go see your favorite play. <laughs> I'm only laughing because you already told me the story earlier. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, what are Sylvie and Magram and Ornan doing currently? It is getting late. Ornan is writing a letter to Kino. Okay. And buttoning things up in the back and writing a note and making a bag of food to stick outside. Okay. I imagine Sylvie would be pouring through that uh, spell book and kind of writing down and learning the spells herself. Okay. Are you doing that out here in the open? Isn't it just us in the middle of the night? It's not the middle of the night yet. Oh. The the inn, the tavern is still open. Uh, so. But you're right. The only other person here is Ryla. But again, Ryla, we, we have no idea how Ryla feels about magic users either. 
I definitely wouldn't be doing it, like, out in the open wild, but, like, I would be kind of, like, peeking through the book for sure, like, in the corner. Okay. I'm going to put you over in the corner then. Um, And, Magram, what are you doing? Nobody put Sylvie in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Magram's just kind of sipping on, I'm thinking maybe, like, a thing of, like, mulled wine or something, something warm that he's just kind of sipping on and thinking. As you are all sitting here in the common room, you hear the front door open and in walk um, two uh, or three of the Inquisitors. Um, You recognize the dwarf with the red hair and beard. You recognize the thin man with the facial tattoos as well as the silver haired um, elven woman with the flame tattoos as well. Crap. Book goes away. They all three come wandering in, and it is the dwarf who speaks. He steps forward to the bar and he says, Pardon me, barkeep. Sure, what's going on? Tomorrow my colleagues and I are heading west, and we were hoping to gather some supplies for our trip. So is there any food or, you know, bread, cheese meat, something that will last for our trip as we have head out to Knuckle Creek to see what's going on with these monsters. I'm sure I could get you sorted away. How many, how many ration kits would you like? Uh, let's do three days for three people, so nine. All right. Let me just get this sorted and I'll get you on your way right quick. Perfect. Thank you. And then they get you kinda, out of my bar. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of uh, wander in and are stand. You know, they take up the table kind of close to where Magram is. Actually, would you like anything to drink while I'm working on this for you? They uh, the the thin man kind of starts to speak up, and then the be- the bearded the red bearded dwarf says, uh, "No, we have an early morning. We need our wits about us. Not even some water, some spiced wine, or some." Mycelium mead, or he's Orton just is like nervously listing everything that they have. <laughs> yeah. Did you say? Th- Sorry, I didn't mean to eavesdrop. Did you say rations for three people? Weren't there four of you here in town? I, I seem to remember there were four. The three of us that you see here are heading out to take care of the problem that has been plaguing the citizens of Knuckle Creek. Oh yes, I heard there was a dangerous wizard out there. Yes, indeed. Why don't you guys make insight checks as they are as they are talking with you? Oof, I got an eight. Sylvie got a nine. Malgram got a seventeen. Ornan got a nine. Um, eight, nine, and nine. Um, they just seem to be kind of walled off. Um, Magram, with your seventeen, uh, you see, you you get a definite sense of irritation uh, in the dwarf's voice um, when uh, he responds to Gee about there only being three of them, um, and a little bit of um, I, I would say you also see him glance over at the other two, um, the other two inquisitors, the two that are Vantorians, uh, as they are as as he's responding. Got it. Okay. I imagine, Ornan, you get Gemma in, to help you in the back with some food and things. Yeah, yeah, I'll step back and start working on on getting some rations going. Um, yeah, that takes a few minutes. Does anybody want to talk to these Inquisitors as they sit here waiting for their supplies? That was as much talking as Guy wants to do with them. 
Okay. I think Sylvie would press a little bit further on the uh, wizard thing and, and kind of ask them, do you think it's actually a wizard that's that's causing the issues over there? The um, the uh, the elven woman, uh, she kind of looks over at you, Sylvie, and she says, oh, yes, you're you're one of them who actually took care of the magic user who was controlling the Grick, the squid snakes, aren't you? You were on that caravan. Yes, it was. It was quite terrifying, um, and I it, the idea that there would be another one is is even more terrifying. She um, steps over towards you, and she comes and sits down at the bar next to you, Sylvie. She says, uh, "Allow me to introduce myself." Oh God! <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. I am Marin. I am an acolyte of Aona, and I am here to spread her word as well as protect those who are in need, especially from uh, beasts and monsters, as it, it appears we're heading into something very similar, and whatever information you can give us would be greatly appreciated. Oh gosh, it was so dark and everything happened so quick, but uh, there's definitely snakes creatures and it was scary mm. yes um can you tell me anything more about this magic user this wizard this this mage oh i i didn't get a good look at him i just saw the lightning and the gricks and to be quite honest uh it, my attention was diverted i did not get a good look at him at all I'm going to have you, unless somebody else wants to speak up, maybe give her advantage. <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. I will. Uh, having heard that, I'll say, I'll say, oh, I was there too. I actually got the better look at the, at the wizard out in the woods. But uh, you can imagine our surprise when we saw her uh, with, the, with the knight in his castle. And Sylvia rolled a 19 for her deception. Oh, man. <laughs> that is clutch. She's like, do you think that it's possible that the reports we heard that, that there's a home? You can see that she's actually, she doesn't seem like angry or like suspicious or anything. She seems very earnest and very like uh, interested in what you have to say. She says, do you think that there's a possibility that the wizard, the magic user, this woman that you fought um, in the woods to the east, do you have any? Do you think they might be working together? Because the reports we have is that there's a home there that's just outside of town that looks to have been blasted from the inside. Uh, tables and chairs are are destroyed. Windows have been blown outwards, um, and yet the house is not burnt. Um, so definitely signs of foul magics but do you think that there's a possibility that perhaps they are working together some cabal some some coven perhaps i mean i certainly wouldn't have any idea about that i'm i'm not even from the area quite frankly i'm just passing through well if you can think of anything please let us know we we go into danger armored only with our physical gear and the light that Aona shines on us. Of course, we appreciate your sacrifice. The the thin blue line between us and magic users. <laughs> well, and, and the things that would harm you. Right, yeah, yeah. 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, uh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate your time. And she goes back and sits with the other two inquisitors. And after a moment, Ornan, your your ration packs are done. All right, Ornan will step into the front room and say, "I've got a, I've got everything you asked for. A couple of packs of rations, and we can get you on the on the way." Thank you very much, the uh, the dwarven man says as he takes the packs. He uh, he pulls out some money and he he pays you some money for this uh, this food and says uh, we will be on our way in the morning. But we we appreciate you and your hospitality as we've been here in your town of Berograd. And come, Theron and Meryn. <laughs> really? So here's a little peek behind the screen. <laughs> um, uh, so sometimes I'll use a random name generator. And the random names that came up for these Inquisitors were Xander, Theron, and Meryn. So I, I went <laughs> okay. with it. All right. They're not related. One's an elf, one's a man, and then their their names rhyme. Just happens to be okay. Very cool. Uh, the Inquisitors of Aona they leave the room, and you are left alone again here in the common room. As they leave, I will say to Ryla, just going to try to gauge her her feelings about the Inquisition and everything. I'll just say, oh, I don't know what it is, but every time those. Lamp ladders are in the same room with me. The, the the air just feels heavier. Everyone's on edge. I don't like. I don't know that I care for it. I don't know that I feel safer with them around. Again, trying to be like non-committal, but still, yeah. She nods and she takes a little sip of her drink. She says, "She says I love those guys." <laughs> <laughs> no, um, she says, "I've had a few run-ins with Aeonin." acolytes with with followers of Aeona and um you know some good some bad these three don't seem so bad hmm. okay well thank you for the drink i think i'm going to head up to bed good night everyone i'll see you in the morning oh wait wait ryla we we were considering taking the the position of caravan guards i think we may want to leave sooner rather than later so i guess We'd have to figure out if that arrangement will work for us and you. When are you leaving? When are we leaving? I mean, I assume we're leaving together, right? I mean, I would like to leave as soon as possible, but I, I suppose we should double check and make sure everything is chip shape in the castle. Okay, well, it won't be tomorrow. It'll be the next day at the earliest. Okay. I think that sounds reasonable. Well, I sure could use a nice long rest. Well, let's let's see about closing up the shop and heading to bed. All right. You guys all uh, go your separate ways. I guess, uh, Ornan, you head back over to your home. Magram, Sylvie, and uh, Guy, you guys find your rooms here at the all the way in and after a little bit of you know getting ready for the day or for the night brushing your teeth washing your face taking out your contacts all that fun stuff <laughs> popping some whiteheads that appeared throughout the day <laughs> yeah how'd that hair get so long in one day plucking it you uh <laughs> you all go to sleep and as you all or you trance as you all 
uh, start to dream, you all start to rest, uh, dreams come uh, as they oftentimes do. Dreams that you know you probably won't remember in the morning. You, um, you toss and turn, you fidget a little bit, and then suddenly one dream ends and another begins. Guy, you are suddenly sitting on a bar stool on a stage in a building that you don't recognize. But you do. But you, Guy, don't. You see, as you look down at your arms, you see motley. You see checkers and stripes. You see uh, your hands are dirty. You might need to cut your nails here soon. You see that your pants are worn. You see that the crowd watching you is not laughing. You can feel the panic welling up in the chest of this person that you're looking through their eyes. You can feel panic at the fact that your jokes, it's not just that your jokes aren't landing, it's that you can't even tell them. You start to cry. You see, you can feel the tears running down the cheeks of this small halfling man in this dark tavern in the middle of nowhere and the crowd starts to get uncomfortable as you sit there crying until suddenly your shoulders start to shake and the weeping turns in to laughter and suddenly this this short halfling man in Jester's Motley is laughing uncontrollably as he gets up off the stool and leaves the stage. Oh. That sounds unsettling. <laughs> yeah, thanks for not making me have to tell a joke, too. Because all I was going to say is, and then I said, that is my foot. <laughs> All right, Magrim, your eyes open up. They are bleary. They are, you can tell that they are uh, foggy from sleep and from, uh, from booze. You look to your left and you can see odds and ends of tinkering. You can see um, that uh, here in this room that you know is your room, your bed, but it's not Magrim's bed but it's your bed. You see your small arms and your small feet as you get out of bed, checking your traps, checking your protection. You go to the door and you check the uh, the little tiny flame emitter that you have built into the door so that anybody coming through will, uh, if they're not here with good intentions, then, um, then they will be, uh, they'll get burned you see that you've got other less sophisticated and more brutal contraptions throughout your house to keep you safe, to protect you from everything. You stumble over to a table where there are bottles that are empty. You search 
looking for one that might still have a little bit of something left in it and you find one and you drink it back and feel that nice warmth going through your chest as you pick up this intricate helmet that you have been working on and you set back to work. Sylvie, you open your eyes and realize that you are kneeling in the wet grass as rain pours down around you. These dark pine trees all around, your breath forming in the air in front of you as you stare at this mound of dirt that you have just finished. Don't you dare, Paul. Did you kill off Badger? Nothing lives forever. You're a monster. <laughs> and as you look down and brush off your hands and stand up, you you can feel this this wildness, this this hint of the of the predator and of the um, of the wild around you uh, seeping more and more into your skin as you continue to shun more and more civilization and as you move out into these dark woods that surround you leaving this grave behind you um, you hear the howls of creatures um, off in the woods and you know that badger may be gone but there are other other creatures out there that are being drawn to you ornan come at me bro <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> no you're fine Ornan, as your eyes open here in this dream, um, you you feel your vision bouncing around as you uh, as your skull bounces against the leg of your brother. But he's not really your brother, but he is your brother in this dream. <laughs> as you look out, you can see uh, wet tall grass you can see the um the three-toed foot prints left behind by your brother as he moves through the swampy marshy uh, mud you can see he will walk across little causeways that get you from one patch of dry land to the next looking up at the sky wondering why is it raining so much more than it ever used to why does everything feel so much more oppressive as you are dragged along on the belt of your brother as he continues seeking for something that he hasn't found yet? All four of you, Magram, Guy, Sylvie, and Ornan, you all recognize now that you are seeing through the eyes of the same people that you saw through a few nights before when you all had that shared dream you instinctively know the events that happened at oak road for these people that you are now inhabiting those events are in their past this is their future and you also instinctively know that these people jib jab bub spritz and james refuse to think back on that day 
almost like a mental wall has gone up and they will not think back on that day. But something changes when you are here in their minds and you have the ability to roll back time a little bit and to see those events and to see that day, perhaps with a different perspective. So what I'm going to do, this might seem kind of weird. I want each of you to tell me something about that day that you want more information on, and then we'll see what kind of roles we'll need to make and what kinds of things you can glean about that day in Oak Road when a little girl was stabbed with a knife and some unseen power was brought out of a crypt. Who wants to go first? Oh, man. Sorry, does, that, does that all make sense, what I'm yeah, asking yeah. you guys to do? Okay. Yeah. I want to try to remember what the two... There were two armored figures in that crypt. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I can remember what they touched, what they interacted with in the tomb that Loida opened. Okay. As you, Guy, as you cycle back through this broken mind of this sad clown, you go back to that moment deep under the ground in the crypt where the two armored figures wearing the tabards bearing iconography that you just instinctively know this heraldry is old. Um, You see these gauntleted hands reach down into this sarcophagus and they start to pull up. Why don't you make a perception history or investigation check? I will do a perception check. Okay. It's only a 13. 13. That's enough. That's enough for this. You see arms being lifted up. Skeletal is not the right word. Um, they have flesh, but they are thin. They are uh, bony, but they look to be alive. You can see shoulders coming up. You can see the top of a head hanging down. So um, as they lift this figure out of the sarcophagus, you see white hair hanging down. Um, probably if they were standing upright, this hair would probably go to right about, right about between the shoulder blades. But you can't tell anything more about the figure, except that it is thin. It is old, but it is not dead. So, and by that you mean like, I'm anticipating the skin looking like jerky, but it's actually like it looks still looks like flesh. Yes. Almost like someone was starving to death in there as opposed to a, somebody was dead in there for years and now is ra- rising as a zombie. Exactly. Okay. Um, I should also mention it doesn't have to be something that we actually covered. It can be something earlier in the day as well. But I will say this. It cannot be after that point, if that makes sense. I would like to know what country that city was in. I'm going to have you make a history check. Ornan's not great at or history. Actually, oh, let's see. Let's see. Um, make. I'll, I'll do the same. So insight, history, or perception. I'll do insight. Okay. It, that one I at least have a plus two. I got a 12. Okay. That's enough. 
We're doing a difficulty of 10 for these checks. Um, Ornan, as you are bouncing around in this skull on the um, in the evening, as you as Bub and Jib Jab are going to infiltrate this temple of Kelimvor, you gaze around you and you can see yes, it's raining and pouring down, and um, you know there are trees up on the hill, and the old man is snoring. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes, um, you recognize um, something that you would. This is something Ornan would recognize, not necessarily the brother of Bub. You recognize that these trees around you are deciduous. They are leafy trees. Whereas where you are here in Beregrad um, and basically all of Alaron Barony, um, it is, it's much more coniferous. It's lots of pine and fir trees up here, not nearly as many deciduous trees. And as you look around and you look at these trees, you just get the distinct impression this is a warmer climate than Baragrad. Not like tropical by any stretch of the imagination, but not um, not like alpine hills and things. And that's what I can give you for that. Anybody want to go next? Uh, I think Sylvie would be curious of like when these events happened specifically. Okay. Yeah, in time. Okay. History, insight, or perception? I'm not really... Oh, wait, no, I'm pretty good at history, actually. That is a 21. Okay. With a 21, as uh, you, let's see, Jibjab is moving about through the town, maybe a couple of days before all of these events, uh, just kind of getting the feel for being in civilization again. Jibjab did not spend a lot of time around other people, preferring to be out alone with Badger. Um, as you move around, you see the style of clothing that people are wearing. You see large hats, you see puffy breeches, you see, um, I'm trying to determine how you would determine age in a world that doesn't really change because it's fantasy. The only thing I think of is fashion. So as Jibjab recognizes these outlandish clothing that would never last a day out in the woods, um, Sylvie recognizes things that she may have read in books and seen um, maybe in drawings uh, from ages past. You would probably assume this was between 200 and 500 years ago, just based on the styles. Awesome. And Magram, what would you like to do? Um... I think Mogram would like to I think he would like to try to understand the nature of the ritual or the arcane event that took place. Um, trying to understand just how powerful it was and if there was anything about that event that struck familiar to him or seemed familiar to him or maybe was like a clue as to the nature of it. History, insight or arcana. Sorry. History, insight, or arcana. I'm going to do an arcana check. Or, or religion. Or you could, do, you could do religion either, uh, if you want to do that instead. Uh, I think I'll stick with arcana for this one. Okay. And you got a 14. And you recognize some things. This girl, Loida, was crying, but she was also not herself. You recognize that this girl, Loida, was possessed. 
And the tears were not Loida's. The tears told you so were whoever was possessing her. And in seeing like the barrier that was broken, the the barrier of like white salt or whatever it was that was on the ground. Oh, sorry, it was green leaves. The the breaking of that barrier, um, and the uh, the uh, just the opening of barriers. This was not Kelimvor's domain. This was not dead and rising from the dead. This was not resurrection. No, this was this was breaking barriers and freeing something that was trapped. Got it. Okay. These revelations swirl in your minds and you all kind of drift out of these visions and back into normal sleep. Gee, you wake up after four hours of trancing. Okay. Um, with Oof. these new thoughts and images in your mind, but with a mission. Yes. With a mission. Okay. My plan is to break back into Silvercrest Manor mm-hmm. and get down into the basement without being spotted to pick a lock on a safe and try to get into it. Okay. So here's what I got. I'm going to not wear my armor. Okay. I'm going to bring those these tools and a crowbar. <laughs> okay. Because I have a crowbar. And um, I'm going to... I'm going to disappear and I'm going to sneak back into the manor completely invisible. How long can you be invisible? For an hour. Okay. As you move through the streets, uh, it is uh, quiet. You can hear the wind blowing through the trees all around the, the, the town and through the trees that are here actually in within the town proper. You don't see anybody moving around except for you see a couple of cats that seem to be um, kind of stalking around each other doing some kind of you know cat things cats are weird um and <laughs> they are doing cats cat are weird. things doing cat things you know now i just i literally watched a cat chase a bug capture the bug and then another cat jump on that cat's back and bite it to the back of its neck and then they just stopped and just sat there <laughs> like what is going on because cats are weird but you managed to make it to Silvercrest Manor to this northernmost door, the one that is right outside your room, and the one that you asked Kelton to leave unlocked. Okay. All right. I will try to quietly open the door. What I'm going to need from you is I'm going to need a stealth check with advantage as you are invisible. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I rolled a four and a seven. So I'll take the seven. You'll take the oh. seven. Okay. All right. Um, as you go to open the door, um, let me see. <laughs> oh my gosh! So rule of thumb is if it's not something that I could ever fail, then I don't roll for it. <laughs> yes, I know that is the rule of thumb. Um, you open the door, and as you walk in, if you recall, basically as you walk in this door, to your right is your bedroom, and to the left is uh, the latrines. Uh, as you go to open the door to your bedroom, you hear a voice from the latrine say, just a minute, I'll be out in a second. And you recognize Percy the butler, who must be in there using the facilities. 
So you have a choice. You have a door to next to you, or you have the door to the latrines, or you can go back out the way you came. But the next move that you make, I'm going to make you make another stealth check. Okay. I will... Um, oh, shoot. I can see that the, the, the housekeeper's also awake at like... 2.30 in the morning. Oh, oh no, that's just that, that's that's just me not moving tokens around. Don't worry about that. So what I will do then is I will walk away, not trying to not trying to sit, make my feet sound any uh, quieter. So just like walk away to be heard. And then I will attempt to sneak back quietly. Or no, I'll walk away to be heard. And then I'm going to find a corner to hide in until Percy leaves kind of this corner of the, of the house. Okay. Um, you do that. You step away. And then um, after a few minutes, you see Percy come out of the latrine. Uh, he's wearing like a long nightgown with a stocking cap hanging down, you know, classic night before Christmas, um, you know, <laughs> throwing open the sash. He's got a little candle in his hand and he's peering around. He says, hello, um, I'm done. Um, oh, well. All right. And then he moves down into the foyer. You are hiding in the corner of the foyer as he turns to go uh, up the servant's staircase. And um, he moves up and out of the way. All right. So now I will tiptoe back over to my old room. Okay. All right. You tiptoe back over to your room and you can move on in and head downstairs into the basement. Yeah. As you move through the basement, you recall it, it. it's dark, but you have dark vision. You can see these trophies that are lining the wall. You can see other odds and ends that are stacked down here. Pelts and things on the floor as you move here through the western side of the basement and move over towards the eastern side of the basement. You can see the curtain that you pulled back and to reveal the safe and you are now standing in front of the safe. So what I'm going to have you do is make a thieves tool check. Difficulty, whew, difficulty 18. Okay. So I am proficient in thieves tools. So would that be sleight of hand plus proficient? Like how does that, how's this going to work? Just dexterity and my proficiency? Yeah, just dexterity and your proficiency. So yeah, sleight of hand or whatever that ended up being. But DC yeah. 18. Yes. This is a safe, dude. This is uh, not like I'm breaking into the pantry. I know. Okay, here I go. I'm shocked that Guy overestimated his abilities. <laughs> I rolled a six. Oh, man. I'm just, it's this house. It's this house. I cannot roll in this house. All right. You start to fiddle with the lock um, with these tools. And these tools are fine tools. Um, and then you realize that you are in over your head with this. This lock is quite elaborate. Okay. Would it be possible to try again since I have some time? Or do I? is that pretty much my only chance and now I have to do something else? <laughs> so here's the deal. I will say... Because your spell only lasts an hour. So you've been working on this. You've got a six on your roll, right? Um, so I'll say you can try one more time and then your spell will wear off and you'll have to either recast it or get out. Okay, all right. I will, I will. Um, oh, actually, your spell, no, no, never mind. Your spell didn't wear off. Never mind. If you're doing this, you're fine. Yeah, I'm not doing attack or, or another spell. So, all right, here I go. That's a four <laughs> plus two is six. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I imagine you get frustrated and then you can't also, you're like, Nalira is upstairs. 
And I don't know why that bothers me so much, but she's upstairs. Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to summon my emotional support animal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you... That summoning is not... It's The spell's already cast, so it's well, not casting a spell. The spell also wore off at this point. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yes, the spell, so the spell, spell is gone. I'm going to summon Prancible, and I'm going to say, I know it's a long shot, buddy, but is there anything you could do to help me out here? I'm in over my head. He just looks up at you, kind of cocks his head like, like dogs do, and goes, hmm? and then gives you a big old lick on your cheek. As the help action? <laughs> As the help action. <laughs> All right, let's do this again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. This is your last chance. Oh, jeez, I got a 16. You feel like you are getting like like actually getting the lock to start doing what you want it to do but you also realize you've been down here for a very long time working on this yeah and you're not exactly sure what time it is but you know that the housekeeper and the and the cook like the the housekeepers and the cook they get up early and they start getting stuff ready okay all right um it's gonna be loud crowbar time If I All right, so it's gonna be it's gonna be uh if you're gonna try to pry it open, it's going to be athletics, I would assume. So yeah, so crowbar gives advantage on strength checks where the crowbar's leverage can be applied. So basically cool. I'm trying to force it with the crowbar. Yes, with advantage. that's still gonna be an 18. Oh my gosh. But I get advantage. <laughs> you get advantage. <sighs> Principal, another another lick for luck. No, I, don't, <laughs> I guess I don't need to lick for luck on this one. Okay. He's just watching you, tongue hanging out. Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh my it's a 12. <sighs> uh, you can hear it starting to make noise and you're like, okay, you are you're done. You're done. Like you, you can't be down here anymore. Okay. Crowbar away. Uh I boop Prancival on the nose and he disappears as well. And then I'll go ahead and just I'll disappear again with my with my other spell slot. Okay. And I will make my way out. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, I'll say you managed to get out without any problem, but I do want you to make a perception check as you leave. That is a 13. No matter how careful you were, once you got the crowbar out, there are marks on the safe. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Somebody who sees them will know what you were trying to do. As you sneak your way out of the Silvercrest Manor, you can hear noise coming from the kitchen, from down the hall where the kitchen is, as the cook is awake and starting to get things ready for the day. And you go out the north door again, past your old bedroom. You uh, you come out to um, the barest glimpse of the sun coming up over the horizon. All right, I'll go try to. I'll go back to the all the way in. <laughs> i'll go back to the other way in and i'll just lay down for another hour take a short rest all right okay and now everybody is awake um as the sun comes up everybody will say wakes up around the same time you all had these different experiences uh seeing through the eyes of different different people um the the dream team um so as you all wander down towards the common room um we'll say you all kind of get there around the same time except for ornan's already behind the bar well good morning to you yes it, it is morning that it is i had another eventful night i was bouncing around in that skull again 
Oh, really? Uh, I too had a dream. This is interesting. It also came to me as well. I'm not a safe cracker, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think you were. Was that in the dream? Were you cracking safes with Mr. Mr. Wubbs's yuck yuck? Oh, no, yuck yuck. He was just sad. I mean, I I also had a dream. He was just sad and kind of, you know, made a a really cringy stand-up performance and then left laughing. Is cracking a safe like another euphemism, like picking someone's potatoes? Well, it could be. It could be. Honestly, <laughs> if if I were to, uh, I I said cracking. Uh, I'm not a safe cracker. That's uh, you know, uh, for your benefit, so you can understand. But if I were using the coded language, it would have been. I got to think of something. Why'd I do that? <laughs> oh. The cheese is old and moldy. Where is the bathroom? <laughs> no, it's like, uh, it's, uh, I would say, I would say, um, I've been better, but ever since the injury, that would be the way to say that I'm not a safe cracker. It's weird. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've got some tea brewing. I'll get you guys something to drink. And, and uh, I, we, didn't, we didn't see Tobias in last night, so maybe we'll see him this morning. Wow. Literally, wow. As, literally, as you said, <laughs> of the devil. <laughs> he was standing on the porch waiting. No, um, yeah, uh, as uh, as you say that, actually, Tobias. You see, Tony. For Wonder. the listeners, as I said that, Paul put Tobias's token on the map. <laughs> to be fair, his token was on the porch. I was waiting for you guys to finish talking, uh, and then he was going to come in. But since you mentioned him, here he comes. Tobias comes walking into the common room. He looks to be wearing the same clothes he was wearing the day before. Um, his hair is uh, like not brushed. He doesn't look like he's like washed for the day. But he also does not have that bleary-eyed, um, bloodshot-eyed look that he often had when he was drinking. And he comes wandering in, and he sees he sees all four of you. He says, "Ah." You're exactly who I was hoping to speak with. You're looking good, Tobias. <laughs> Looks down at himself. He's like, I. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, what's it like sleeping in a dead man's bed? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> a bit like picking your neighbor's potatoes. <laughs> it was comfortable. It was. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just I assumed that you slept at the castle. I wanted to speak with you um, about everything. So, uh, do you have a moment we can talk? Yes. Why, of course. Here, I'm pouring everyone some tea. It's chamomile. I I think I'll have some. Um, As you gather around, he reports back. He says, So, I received word that the Acolytes of Iona are heading west to take care of the problem out in Knuckle Creek. So that's one load off of my shoulders. Can, you know, of course, if they have the capability to solve any problems out there. But um, there's still a lot to be done here in Berograd. Well, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) What what type of work are are you thinking about? I'm going through the castle right now, uh, gathering up anything I can. I mean, from Sir Roland's armor to his dead wife's jewelry, whatever I can find to 
to fill that coffer so that I can take it back and give it to the Baron and and everything will be kosher. So um, that's what I am doing. Um, I was hoping that uh, when I leave here that you might uh, accompany me to keep these goods safe as I take them to Redlam. Honestly, I don't think it could have worked out any better. We're actually considering taking taking a position as caravan guards uh, to, to head toward Redlam eventually. So... What what sort of pay are we talking about for the travel? Like a lot, like lots, right? Well, to get to Redlam, it's five days. Uh, if there's no problems, if there's no hiccups like we had on our way here, I could pay going rate. Uh, I could pay you each a gold a day. Of course, if there's trouble, then I would pay more. I think that's that's reasonable. A gold a day, and you cover all the food and lodging expenses and travel expenses, right? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. And meanwhile, uh, Guy is thinking to himself, we can get du- like get double dip and get paid for by two employers. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So when were you thinking of, of traveling out to Redlam? I'm going through the castle currently. I, I think I might have enough, but it's going to be more than my chest can hold. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, we should be able to leave uh, tomorrow, actually. But I have some things I need to arrange here in town because at this point, there's no one to lead or to uh, you know, protect the town uh, once, once you leave. The, say what you will about the Acolytes of Iona. At least they know how to put up a fight and uh, they would protect the people who live here, but they're going to be gone as well. Right. And I mean, we kind of killed the only people with martial training in the entire town. To be fair, they deserved it. Oh, I know. I'm just stating a fact. Is there no militia here? Is there no, you know, weekend warriors or constables or anything there are some constables crazy middle-aged white men who really think that they know how to take the law into their hands <laughs> oh, good guys with guns oh man oh no oh no i don't know what a gun is but um he says no there are constables but i mean we're talking middle-aged men with with staves you know just keeping keeping the peace helping helping break up whatever fights might be around but no trained warriors i mean to be fair if anything happens like apparently happened at knuckle creek here i fear there's no one here to protect the people you're making me feel like leaving might not be the best thing to to let the village off fending for itself oh no they'll be fine you're going to come help me you're going to protect me <laughs> <laughs> Ornan, do you not know anybody who would be uh, trustworthy of taking on this burden? Well, I, and I know most of the most of the folks that come into the tavern, but um, I, I don't know all the NPCs that Paul created. So <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Well, at the moment, I'm actually considering leaving Edmund in charge because at least he knows how to run the books and." and keep that in line. And he knows the castle and people know him. They tend to trust him. Um, it's really more about uh, any muscle that doesn't really exist here. It was meager to start with. And honestly, they never would have depended on us for protection. We just, uh, you know, happened to be here. But you're right. Who's going to 
who's going to make a stand if the Knuckle Creek... <laughs> the Moose Knuckle Creek killer. <laughs> yes. oh, who's going to make a stand if the Knuckle Creek Strangler comes to town? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I don't know who's going to take a stand. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, all I know is that I've got, I've got a shipment that I need to make, and I would like to leave tomorrow. You know, they're actually... Hmm. Remind me, barkeep, everyone, there may be somebody, but I'll, I'll have to think on it. We'll, have, we'll talk about it later. Okay, very good. Well, um, I'll be at the castle today, but I'll be back here at the All the Way Inn tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll stay here tonight and then try to leave early in the morning. Good luck. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs> Ta-ta. Ta-ta. All right. He wanders out and leaves the four of you alone again. Did the uh, did the bag of goods disappear last night? I I haven't had a chance to check. Why don't we go take a peek back there? All right. And Ornan will go um, to the backyard and look for to see if the bag was taken. There is no bag there. Is there anything? Was there anything left in its place? Was there? You know what? Yes, I'd say that there was. There is a little scrap of paper. And when you pick it up and open it, it just says, thank you. Well, it looks like we helped him. And Ornan will walk back into the bar. <laughs> yes, the bag was taken and they said thanks. Man, I, gee, I feel mighty great about this. Are there any other, were there any other clues about who it might be? Um, and Sylvie will kind of pop her head out and see if like, I don't know, there's any distinctive footprints or something. Um, go ahead and make an investigation check or a perception check or a survival. I'll give her I'll give her advantage and help her while she's looking. All right, let's see. That is actually a 25 with advantage. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh yeah, as you look out, you see um you can see that there are some uh, some boot prints in the mud. Um you can also see that um it looks like there is the boot print is not just a flat like heel and um and sole boot. Um, it looks like there is some kind of a like a an extra ridge around the side, and you recognize that it is an armored boot. There is metal upon this boot. So whoever came and got the food is wearing armor, and not just armor, but like like metal armor, not heavy like just metal armor. Yeah, heavy duty armor. Um, and if you, if it's the same person who got the food last time, if it's that woman, um, you can tell that she's that she is wearing a lot of armor as well because the the boot prints are very very deep, um, deeper than you would expect uh, if she was uh, not wearing armor. Did she look like she was wearing armor the first time we saw her? She was wearing a dark cloak, so you could not tell. Okay. Well, Sylvie, do you feel like you could follow the tracks? I I could definitely try. I mean, they they seem like they're deeper than you would expect if, you know, she was just wearing normal clothing. So I think I might be able to follow him back. Well, maybe that could be our little adventure for the day while we're waiting <laughs> to hear back from Rolly Polly. I would be curious to see who she is. Honestly, I was thinking if even if you don't find her, we could leave a note with whatever you leave out tonight saying, hey. If you're worried about the Inquisitors, they're gone, at least for the next three days. And, you know, keep a sharp eye out because there's not a lot of people here that can protect the town should the need arise. If she is a lamplighter, she can most likely take care of herself, handle herself in a fight. 
That's true. I think that gives her a fair fighting chance. At least the very, you know, the very least having warning that they're going to be gone for three days at least would provide this person with a head start. Well, is that what you guys want to do is follow these tracks? I'm supposed to be meeting Calden, aren't I? Uh, Calden was supposed to come and, and see you in the morning, yes. Um, well, if we go follow the tracks, then uh, I'll have to leave a message with Kino. Sorry, little barkeep. He's great at messages, but he'll get all the words wrong. <laughs> you don't have much of a message because you failed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Something came up. I'll have to try again tonight. <laughs> all right. You can't count on him saying all the words. He'll say some words, but they probably won't be the ones that you told him to tell. I was just going to leave a note that he could hand to Calden if he comes in asking about me. Okay. Something came up. I'll come on you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's like writing it down. You spelled come wrong. Jeez. <laughs> no, the note will say, the note will say, yeah, something came up. I'm writing the note. I'm not relying on Kino to write it. I'm an adult. I have penmanship. I guess, I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> Kino, take a note. <laughs> take a letter, Maria. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, so you're going to leave a note for, for Calden. Ba- yes, basically to say um, something came up. Um, I'll, something came up. Um, we'll see tonight. Okay, perfect. All right. As you go outside and you look at the, um, the footprints again, you actually see that it it should be pretty easy to follow these footprints. Um, it looks like they head, um, if we go here to the map. So you guys are over here. The footprints actually go down across the road and then through some grass and fields and around back behind houses that um, uh, are kind of off the beaten path. And uh, because of you know recent rains and things, the ground is still pretty wet. In fact, it looks like it's going to start raining again here today uh, at any moment. Um, but with your uh, really good investigation check of fifteen, or I'm sorry, of twenty-five, Sylvie, you have no problem following the tracks. Um, you lose them a couple times, but you manage to pick them back up, and it takes you all the way down to in the in here in the town of Berigrad in the southeast corner. There's this small pond, and the pond is called Carlin Pond, um, and they go all the way to the shoreline of Calden Pond. They call me the Bloodhound, <laughs> and and Prancival looks at you and goes. <laughs> 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 Um, as you guys approach the shoreline, you can see that there oh, principal is... is there, Paul. Oh, let me move. I'll bring principal, principal with me. Yeah. Yeah. Take him out for a little walk. Let him stretch his legs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they could use him stretching. They're very short. <laughs> as you approach the shoreline, you can see there is uh, an overturned rowboat um, that is uh, kind of pulled up on the shore. You're not sure whose it is. You know that people don't really like fish in this pond. This is more like a summertime place that people will go and they'll swim here in the pond. People tend to fish off of the off the uh, the bridge into the river, um, and uh, this pond is is not 
that big but as you approach the uh the rowboat here you can see that on the far side on the east side of the pond there is another rowboat that's kind of been pulled up onto shore the footprints come all the way down to the shoreline and then they stop there is uh some kind of um uh, uh, muddled up mud and dirt and grass uh, that would indicate potentially dragging a boat into the water and then and then rowing across. I'm not trying to be sneaky because I don't want to alarm her if she if we sneak up on her. So I'll just be like, mm-hmm. um, I'll just say, okay, principal buddy, see if you can catch any scent. See if you can catch any scent around here, and principal will start sniffing around. Oh man! And is there anything like in that boat? Um, the boat is overturned. As you kind of look underneath it, you can see that there is an oar um, that is uh, just resting on the ground under there. Um, this boat looks like it's seen better days, but it does look seaworthy, or at least pond worthy. Nothing else in the boat. And how big is the pond? Like, is it something we could easily like walk around or? Uh, I mean, you could you could walk around it, but there's a stream that comes into the pond, and then there's another stream that that leaves the pond and then and then feeds out into the river. Um, so you might have to wade through the stream. Um, that's definitely doable. Should we maybe just yell and say hello? Is anyone here? Sure. It seems like if it's a small enough space, they probably can hear us. My name's Arnon. I run the tavern that you that you've been coming to. I'd love to have a quick conversation. We can do it at a distance if it makes you feel safe. Uh, no answer. Why don't you guys make perception checks? Gee rolled an eleven. Ornan got a seventeen. So we got a net one. And Mogram got an eleven. Ornan, you know this town well. You've been here for ten years. Um, you don't—I don't know if you spend much time here swimming at Ornan or at uh, Carlin Pond or not. Um, but as you're standing here on the shore and you look across the pond to the opposite side, you can see that there are—you know—there's the typical fir and pine trees that dot the landscape around here. You see that they are coming down right towards that eastern shoreline. But you can make out something behind the trees. It looks like there might be some kind kind of a, a, an old house or an old building um, that is uh, tucked in back behind the trees on the far side of the pond. Well, it looks like there's a little house on the other side of the pond over there. Might be a great little hiding spot if you're trying to stay out of view from the uh, lamplighters. So, and we could try looking over there, but we'd have to wait over the pond. We could use the boat. I mean, I'm, I'm off of the boat. Uh, we've come this far. Why don't we give it a shot? I wish we had somebody that was proficient in um, vehicles, parentheses, water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. I, I'll handle the rudder. <laughs> it's just a little rowboat that we're all going to pile into. <laughs> <laughs> the pond's not stream. even that deep. Oh gosh, the pond's not even that deep. All right, okay. You drag the rowboat out into the pond, and you all load up. Um, is there room for all four of us? Yeah, you can all four fit, but I mean, the water is like <laughs> two of us two are inches. Tiny, by the way, <laughs> the water We're like is like six inches off the bottom of the pond floor, though. <laughs> <laughs> the water is like two inches from the top from overflowing the boat. But yeah, no, you guys can you guys can row across, no problem. 
Okay, you guys all get in the boat and you row across and you come upon the other side relatively quickly row, row, um, row your boat. as uh, you beach your little raft, your little uh, rowboat on this side of the um, of the pond. Now that you're closer, you can see, yeah, definitely there is some kind of a, of a building, uh, a little old house or something that's tucked back in the woods. Well, let's go have us a peek. Right. I and I, I I appreciate what you were doing earlier, Ornan. I recommend doing it some more. Calling out, letting them know who you are and why we're here. All right, I'll do it again. My name's Ornan. I'm here to talk to whoever has been I've been given food to. If that's you, then let's have a chat. Oh, I didn't say who I was. <laughs> I run that in the all the way in the one all the way over that way, all the way in. <laughs> Someone in the house, and we're his buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you all make perception checks? Oren got a two. Sylvie got a 15. And Malcolm got a 13. He got an 18. All right. With your 18 and your 15, as you guys are approaching the house, calling out, you hear creaking of floorboards uh, as somebody is moving around inside the house. It's very faint, but you can hear um, somebody's moving around in there. Also, Prancival got a 20. Oh, yeah. Principal's like, uh, same. <laughs> I don't think anyone's home, guys. No, I hear someone in there. It's okay. We don't mean you any harm. No answer. Uh, Sylvie will go up and just start knocking on the door. Hello? Yeah, the door's on the south side of the building. I'll send Principal up to the, to the front with Sylvie, because the two cutest, um, most non-threatening looking people right there at the front door. And I'm including Prancible as a person, even though he is a fake construct. Um, as you start knocking on the door, you can kind of see through the windows as you approach the house. It looks like the windows are they're kind of uh, fogged over, kind of uh, uh, dirty and grimy and gringy. Um, and you can see into, yes, I say gringy on purpose. <laughs> um, you can see into this, uh, into the main room of this house. It looks like there's some broken furniture, some uh, like a, an old fireplace. It looks like... Um, uh, nobody's been here, like living in this place for years and years and years. Uh, as you're looking through the windows as well, it, it almost looks like potentially, um, maybe like local kids have come over here and maybe they break the furniture and stuff. Cause you know, kids just do stuff like that. Um, medieval, equi- medieval equivalent of spray painting curse words yeah. on the walls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see somebody has painted on the wall, thou dust suck. Hooking up with their girlfriends and stuff. <laughs> thou frothy lily-livered way face, thou churlish tickle-brained flirt gill. <laughs> thou greasy dog-hearted giglet. <laughs> I have no clue. The children are pretty creative, as you can see. <laughs> thou pernicious evil-eyed skeins mate. Sorry. Uh, that's <laughs> that's fine. Fine. No need they... for the language, Margaret. Oh, I've got a whole lot of these. I was I was just gonna say it says bugger the constabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, there's no answer. There is a door. Um the door looks uh it's still in one piece, but it looks like it's pretty beat up. Well, Sylvie, why don't why don't I step in first, just in case? I'm just gonna open it. I mean I could have done it, but uh Sylvie will definitely step aside. If it's if it's locked, I can pick it. I'm very good at it. It's not a safe. <laughs> well, I'm gonna 
open the door if I can and step in. Yeah, you can. All right. As you step into this room, you can see, you know, broken tables and chairs. You can see that it looks like at some point this was a family home. Uh, there's only one other uh, area of the house. This house is kind of L-shaped, I guess you could say. And as you walk into the main area, you see there's a door um, on the eastern wall. Um, and that door is currently closed as you all move into the house. We just want to talk, and don't worry, we've brought an adorable dog for you to snuggle. <laughs> I've got some more rations. If, if you're the person I'm thinking, you might, you might need some more food, and maybe some company. It can be lonely on the run. Hence the snuggle dog. Why don't you make, uh, I'll have one of you guys make a persuasion check with advantage, because you are all talking. I'm pretty good at persuasion. Fingers crossed. Do the thing. I'm not, so... It's a 17. You hear footsteps on loose floorboards creaking, and then you hear a voice on the other side of the door, and it says, What are you going to do to me? And it sounds like the voice of a child. Well, I wasn't planning on doing anything. I'd like to say hello, and if you need some help, maybe get you pointed in the right direction. I'm probably going to kill you, though, so stay away. (laughs) (laughs) I've got... She's honest. All right. (laughs) The voice says, I've already got protection. But do you you have a snuggle dog? The door creaks open. And behind the door, you see probably a 10 or 11-year-old... brown-haired, blue-eyed elf boy um, with tear-stained cheeks, dirty hands, um, you know, uh, ripped-up pants, um, like his knees are all worn. Looks like this uh, kid has uh, been through through it. Um, and he says, no, I, I don't have a snuggle dog. And Prancible just basically leaps up into his arms. Oh. <laughs> are, are you here by yourself, buddy? He says, "I'm. I am right now, but but she's coming back. She said she's coming back. She's going to take me away. Take you away where? Somewhere safe, away from here." And who was the person that was speaking to you? Lady Myra. She says she's going to keep me safe. Okay, safe from what? If if you don't mind me asking. From her friends. I see. Ah, well. Sorry, did did you say your name yet? I'm... I'm Dilar. Dilar, have you recently discovered that maybe you can do things that other people don't do? You see him break down and start crying. And he says, they got my mom and dad. I don't know what happened. I just, I needed them to go away. Who got your mom and dad? The creatures that came out of the night. Oh no, Is are you from uh, Knuckle Creek? Yeah, yeah, just outside of Knuckle Creek. Oh. And, and how long have you been over in this area? How long have you been missing from your parents? The, the timeline doesn't seem, well... 
Well, I'm just wondering, like, how long has he been, like, been hanging around here? Because if, yeah, the timeline. I wonder if the uh, the other lamplighter might have known something that their friends didn't know about. He says, Myra brought me here two days ago. She says that the creatures, the creatures are getting bolder. And, and Myra's coming back? She said she would. She came back yesterday. She brought me food. What does Myra look like? She's tall. She's probably 40, but looks 60. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hard thing to say, kid. Careful, you don't want to anger this one. She's got it in for kids. <laughs> well, first off, have you had anything to eat yet, boy? Yes, she brought some food, and then she left this morning. She says she's getting things ready to get me out of here, to keep me safe. Well... As you are talking to this child, suddenly from the doorway, you hear a voice, a woman's voice call out, Get away from him! He is mine. I will protect him. And then you see, standing in the doorway, this probably 40-year-old woman with <laughs> tattoos on her face. <laughs> Looks to be 73. Wearing, wearing, does she really? I'm going to zoom in again. No, she doesn't. She just got like tattoos and stuff on her face. It's the it's the ta- it's the marks on her face that look like wrinkles from a distance. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. yeah. The ones on her forehead are the ones that really make it look like wrinkles. Well, I am in my forties and I have wrinkles on my forehead. So anyway, um, you see her standing in the doorway. She has a drawn sword. She is wearing uh, a dark cloak pulled back. You can see that there is armor underneath it, and she is looking at you menacingly, challenging you as you have discovered her secret, and that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Oof. All right. Man. Well, hey, thanks for coming along on this tour with us for the 12-sided guys. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, photography allowed on this tour? I'm, I am I brought my camera. Uh, please no flash, <laughs> please no flash photography. Um, uh, yeah, so hey, thanks for listening and uh, don't forget to go check out our Discord and talk with us about this episode and uh, maybe some of the things that occurred in the night with the dreams. Maybe there are some theories or some, um, some predictions about things coming up. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.